All right, good evening, everyone, and welcome back to episode six of the New World Signals podcast. As always, I am sitting on the veranda of my Orange County estate, looking out at the Blue Ridge Mountains with my characteristic bowl of mint juleps next to me, um, watching my tobacco fields grow in the summer heat. And it is a lovely vista with the wonderful Virginia forests looking like a storybook picturesque landscape painting of Arthurian romance. And I am joined by a very, very good friend of mine and a very funny, crass, cantankerous, and otherwise uh, whatever adjectives you can come up with uh, to describe uh, a, uh, a funny Hispanic guy who was probably bullied in high school. Um, <laughs> gentleman. Uh I mean, I, I he probably disagree with the gentleman thing, but um, uh, but he is he runs a wonderful zine called Cars and Women, world famous Cars and Women magazine, uh, about uh, neither cars nor women most of the time, but um, uh, <laughs> but still, it is a it is a wonderful product, um, and he's been recently featured on my good friend the Prudentialist stream, and I would like to welcome Mister Stained Haynes, broadcasting live from. Uh, Wherever the fuck in New York he decided to burrow a hole into. <laughs> well, thanks for having me on, man. Uh, ladies and jerks, um, I I'm Stained Haynes, and I broadcast straight out of Queens, New York. It is the birthplace of Christopher Walken, uh, the Ramones, Anthrax, uh, Donald J. Trump, and if you count fictional characters, Archie Bunker and Spider-Man. So uh, um, it was uh, was was Travis Bickle from Taxi Driver born in Queens? <laughs> <laughs> I I wish we can claim him as our own. Uh, I really do, but 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 I believe he belongs to the the epicenter of the, the multiverse. Evidently, New York City proper, Manhattan. Ah. Um, but uh, but but uh, I would like to say though that uh, people read Cars and Women magazine for the articles the same way men used to read Hustler and Playboy for the articles. So it's not false advertising. I'm just saying. <laughs> hey hey, speaking of a uh, Hustler, just real quickly, if it wasn't for Hustler magazine, we wouldn't have gotten uh, the Unabomber manifesto because uh, uh, Ted Kaczynski wrote his manifesto and sent it to like the New York Times and all these publications and no one would take it. Then Bob Guccione from Hustler took a full page ad out the New York Times and he went, do you have any idea how many copies of my issue are sitting in desks in the Pentagon? Send it to us. And uh, the rest is history. <laughs> well, and I can, I can, I can speak from experience that I'm uh, everyone in the DOD is a pervert. Uh, so that's, <laughs> that's exactly, uh, that's exactly why. <laughs> <laughs> but but anyway um mr haynes i greatly appreciate you taking the time out of your very busy schedule doing real life psyops and uh making um uh making affluent white liberal women very very angry um <laughs> to uh to sit here and talk about uh talk about americana uh, the country that birthed uh, such wonderful things as aids and um uh crack and crack and um and heroin and other such things actually can we claim heroin i don't think we can claim heroin but I, um uh 
I think I think we might have to, you know, like when people get a Nobel Prize and you got to share it with someone. Yeah, <laughs> I think someone in China is going to be ha like, like, well, listen, like uh, for the Nobel Prize for opioids, America, you did you knocked it out the park with heroin. But China, <laughs> opium. Come on, dude. you got to share. Be nice. Now go to something, the podium. Yeah, something like that. Um, but uh <laughs> But yes, and um, uh, what we what we specifically wanted to talk about, at least with this episode, was sort of the, I guess the history, the um, uh, the cultural uh, connotations. Not to attach all these fucking boring words to it, but I, you know, we we this is a this is a respectable professional show, so we have to. Uh, but uh, the the cultural and anthropological and sociological and all these other lefty words that you have to attach to make something sound serious of uh, of. Uh, of graffiti, of street art, of uh, I guess in a certain extent caricature, um, and of uh, of zines, and uh, I mean, I'll, I'll tell you what. Let's let's get this started by um, uh, for those of for those of my listeners, all twenty of them uh, who aren't familiar with what a zine is and what you do. Uh, could you give a brief explanation of that? Well, sure. Uh, f first and foremost. Uh... I'd like to circle back to, to what you were saying earlier in terms of um, uh, like street art and, and all these other things. And, and I just want to point out that uh, graffiti comes from the Greek term uh, graphene, meaning to scratch, draw or write. And thus, a broad definition of the term includes all forms of inscriptions on walls. All right. And as far back as we had walls, people were writing on them. So uh, that being said. Uh, expression outside of the norm, uh, outside of mainstream uh, circles, uh, constitutes as street art, and it comes in a zillion forms, and one form are zines, all right? So zines, uh, well, America has a rich history of, like, pamphlets, all right? Like, pamphlets were the original zine, <laughs> okay? Like, uh, was... uh, just a real quick, I think Thomas Paine's uh, Common Sense was the most circulated pamphlet in the United States, uh, second only to the Bible, I think, to this day. Yes, yes. So so zines were, well, I mean, if you want to hearken it back to, to pamphlets, it was a way to articulate and disseminate opinions, perspectives, and information that you probably would not be able to say out loud or scream at the top of your lungs like on a busy sidewalk, you know? Uh, that being said, um, uh, in the 20th century, zines sort of took off where um, in like the late 70s, there was like a paradigm shift of sorts. Like, stop and think of all the breakthroughs of, like, music, movies, um, uh, and literature. So, like, uh, zines are sort of like, um, like uh, everything from poetry to, like, the burgeoning uh, punk and hip-hop scene. Like, there's no one archetype or blueprint for zines, but evidently everyone had the same idea, you know? Um, even if it boiled down to like making copies on a Xerox machine and stapling it at home and folding it in half, like every like zines have sort of been a counterculture cornerstone in in numerous um, subcultures and and even today, like for example, Cars and Women magazine. On one hand, uh, I would I would say that. 
there are things in the zine that really I don't think there are any mainstream outlets who are willing to and it's not to say that like we fed post all right it's not to say that like it's just like the the, the gamer word like on loop for like 40 pages back to back to back okay that would be um, pretty based though and you probably but... stole a bunch of copies <laughs> however like I'll, I'll give you an example so uh one piece i have in issue four um uh, i talk about how um right now in america we're in, like a decade and a half into what people call a recession and i call bs on that because um you're not allowed to fix a problem you can't talk about so as like if you could either call it the second great depression the greatest depression the great depression 2.0 the big sad <laughs> but as long as you keep calling it a recession first of all i didn't know recessions could take shape and change form like the villain from john carpenter's the thing okay and it turns out there's like a double dip recession and stagflation and and the Russian recession and no so so that being said, um, unless we call it what it is, you know what it kind of reminds me of how people throw around the word problematic but never say what the problem is. There's like this weird surface language interface that like everyone is fine with, but everything much like in the much like how so much of what happens is in the unconscious mind below the surface layer of semantics and linguistics is where the magic happens um exactly. oh here's and, another you know, thing this, the, the, oh. the, the, real quick this is this is uh this is stuff that the tavistock institute um and uh you know us oh, the university right. of chicago and um, uh, uh, the uh, specifically I, i've done some work with us army psyops before and they do similar things uh, when implementing fourth generation warfare. Um, and you're correct. It's this attempt to sort of dissociate meanings from words uh, in in such a manner as to um, uh, obfuscate problems. It's, it's not that no one recognizes that there is a problem. It's just it's impossible uh, with this level of obfuscation because you can't even properly classify it. Right. Mm, you know, some right. people you could say, oh, it's a problem with the economy, or oh, it's a problem with X, or oh, it's a problem with Y, and oh, the rich are getting richer, and oh, it's the corporations. And uh, but but none of these like actually like stab at the heart of the issue, right? Or 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 you know, or oh, it's like white male patriarchy, or oh, it's uh uh you know, woke uh third world colored babysitter oh, yeah. or something Dude, like that. I think I think things have gotten so Listen, as cynical as I want to say and be like, this is out of control. Some guy in some think tank must be, you know, like he's probably getting his second gold plated yacht at the end of the year for figuring out how to blame elderly Asian people getting put into comas in broad daylight and have it blamed on white supremacy. That guy will forever have the corner office until he dies. And when he does, they will bury him in the foundation of that think tank. <laughs> so, so this, this, like you said, this disassociation, like he, here's a piece from Cars and Women. B disclaimer, the editor in chief is Indonesian. So, ah, you can't point the finger at him. The problem with Asians, Asians are a minority who were oppressed in the United States of America, but still managed to be successful. This destroys the narrative of systemic injustice and threatens our cultural agreement held together by compliance, peer pressure, and views that curiously align with multinational corporations, academia, and Hollywood. Hmm. So, uh, you will never see that in a mainstream publication. However, um, you know, uh, 
sometimes you got to make your own fun and shit posting and DIY psyops come in a near infinite array of flavors. One of them is zines. And here we are. <laughs> <laughs> well, and that's, and that's true. And it's uh it's interesting. You bring that up because um, DIY psyops uh, exist, pre-exist the actual term of psyop or even the concept of like psychological warfare itself. It's just something that people have done uh, all the way back until the, the, the founding of the country and even beforehand. And, um, you know, it, this seems to be, at least this seems to be one of the large reasons why the United States was able to kind of manu manufacture its own consent for a uh, revolution about, you know, a couple hundred years before that exact concept got uh, coined. It wasn't a revolution. It was more of like a bunch of, you know, fucking young, rich, white, noble sons, uh, the equivalent of, and the United States got bored and decided fuck England. And that's how the United States uh, <laughs> came into being. But um, what what would you say, right? And you can you can go off on whatever tangents you'd like, but what would you say the, um, uh, the cornerstone of, uh, you know, pamphlet culture, zine culture, graffiti, street art, all of this other stuff, what would you say the cornerstone of it is in relation to... Um, in relation to America and Americana. All right. Well, it, it, relating to America. All right. First off, um, in the antebellum era, people were writing on boxcars. All right. And uh, in a way, this is a weird tradition that carried over even to the 20th and 21st century. And where whenever there's like graffiti on a train, like you're meant to see the tr you're, you're meant to see the graffiti as the train is in motion. So that weird detail is a carryover from the antebellum era. Uh, how it happened, I, I'd be lying if I told you I knew why. All right. But um graffiti popped up and here and there and then eventually gang graffiti in la and new york city you could date it back to the 20s and 30s hell um here's a famous piece of graffiti uh from world war ii kilroy was here uh you know well, that that's funny that was actually brought up uh my buddy on my big trip across the united states my buddy mentioned this when we were in one of the one of the world war ii museums and he said uh kilroy was a naval inspector who would inspect uh boats uh, that were about to go out to war. And every time he'd inspect a boat, he would spray paint on it. That sign Kilroy was here. Um, oh. And then all of the soldiers, all of the soldiers on the boats going over there would see that sign and they don't know who the fuck Kilroy is, but they're like, Oh, that looks pretty cool. Let's just paint it everywhere. Yeah. And, uh, and then they would <laughs> dude, dude, it, 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 it started out here and, and okay. I'm glad you said it. And we're like, it looks cool. Like, so, so notice how people can immediately identify what they like and what they don't like without even needing to know all the moving parts without having to read the trivia section and the footnotes and Wikipedia. Like they could immediately tell upon first glance, Oh, that's cool. Or like, that's lame, you know? So, um, it started here and it found its way to Europe. In fact, like it, 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 it's, it scrawled along walls somewhere in a gulag right now. Kilroy was here. Um, <laughs> Uh, and I'll get to pamphleteering and zines in, in a moment. I just want to cover like street art and graffiti real quickly because they do go hand in hand. Um, and then 
at some point in the late 60s is the earliest instance of name-based graffiti in like New York and Philadelphia. Like according to the history of graffiti by Roger Gastman and Caleb uh, Nealon, the, uh, the first modern graffiti writer is widely considered to be Cornbread, a high school student from Philadelphia who in 1967 started tagging city walls to get the attention of a girl. Many right. such cases. See, 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 the history doesn't repeat itself, but it often rhymes. All right. It's a flat uh, circle. <laughs> yes. However, however, uh, kind of like how punk took off in different corners of America and even the world near simultaneously, even though there was, you know, no direct contact with these circles around the same time in the 70s. Uh, Julio 204 and Tacky 183 from Washington Heights. They, like Cornbread, were the first people that, like, they were just writing their name and the street they lived on, like, wherever okay. they could. Real, real quick, why the fuck do all of these street artists have to have the most spick sounding names I have heard <laughs> in my entire life? Well, a, 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 as a half Ecuadorian, all right, give credit where credit is due. Julio 204, Washington Heights is a predominantly Dominican neighborhood. Tacky, however, Tacky was a was a Greek, uh, so so uh, I, I guess you could call him. Uh, uh, Mediterranean Latino, because much like Latinos, they have no indoor race, you know, um, <laughs> believe me, I should know come to Greek Easter one of these days. So um, it should be noted, though, that like when people think of graffiti, it could take the form of like murals, you know, some for some people like, you know, um, for like for Taki or for Julio, like it was to indicate where they came from because like you know to distinguish like, I'm, come on think of how many julios are in manhattan all right <laughs> how, however it should be noted though that graffiti is by definition a defiant and public exhi uh, exhibition and there's also like an intrinsic subversion and vanity to an art form that defines itself by writings one name over and over and over again on property which doesn't translate when it moves into a more sterile setting like a gallery right um which is weird because then graffiti became uh taken seriously as an art form but but then herein lies the paradox my friend um i believe street i think people who do street art understand to a degree the inconvenient truth that museums that, that like the front of them the facade will always be seen more than what's inside so, like, the guy who's writing I Love Sluts in front of museums, he knows in some way or another, even if he can't articulate it to you or himself, he knows that more people will walk by the museum and see I Love Sluts than, like, the Van Gogh inside. You know what I mean? So, so I think that spirit of exceptionalism and wanting to stand out, because some cultures, like in Japan... I don't know the exact saying, but like something to the effect of the nail that stands out gets hammered down, you know, as opposed to American individualism and exceptionalism and where like, you know, oh, oh, tell me, tell me. No, I was just going to say about Japan. It used to not be like that. Um, if you look at the uh, if you look at the warring states period. Right. You know, just this. I know this is an America. Uh, I know this is an Americana podcast but i'm talk talking about fucking japan off of an offhand comment you made uh, autism 101 <laughs> but um uh but now you, know, you, if you look at the war states prism. period of <laughs> yeah exactly you look at uh japan in the warring states period um 
and you look at people like Miyamoto Musashi or even like fucking uh, t- was it was it Toku? It was a guy who worked for Tokugawa or something like that. And these motherfuckers, they just switch sides if like one if like their previous overlord just insulted them. And there, there very much was like this sort of exceptionalism among the among the samurai case because they were white. <laughs> maybe, maybe that's why even after that whole little you know scuffle called World War II and dropping two nukes on them, we we, we spared them, and because of that, they are like forever grateful. Like, oh yeah, you know. Um, I, I, but you know, you do bring up a, a good point because like the the. Um, the high-ranking Bushido, it could be mm-hmm. like, I just didn't like the way his wife looked at me, so now I'm going to go fight for this dude's clan. And like almost like an e-girl on a whim who is like, oh, well, he likes my tweets more than you, so I'm going to go talk to him. Goodbye now. You can no longer send messages to this person. Like, you know? <laughs> so... This is why I block them all. But um, uh, <laughs> but anyway, getting 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 back to our uh, getting back to our main topic. I forget what we were fucking talking. Oh, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. So, um, the thing is, is that, yeah, you're right, that there has to, there has to be a sort of like, um, uh, you know, it needs to fulfill the niche of being the rebel thing, being against whatever the yeah. current thing is in order for it to be something taken seriously. Yeah. Like I, when I was in, when I was in New Orleans, right, whenever I see, you can always kind of tell when you're in an area where the street art is actually not only accepted in a public setting, but like encouraged. Because the street art is the most stupid fucking preachy shit you'll ever see in your life. Um, And uh, and, or just be like murals of like George Floyd that got struck by lightning uh, or um, uh, or, find the metaphor (laughs) or other shit like that. Right. And you you can just tell it's like it's like what is it? It's like the, um, uh, you know, Mark Fisher's capitalist realism in that the rebellion from the system will get incorporated and turn into a product of the system. Right. But if you're, for example, like but real street art is the shit that you do or, you know, someone who just walks up to like City Hall and spray paints, uh, uh, you know, the mayor is a kike and then runs away. It's like the actual shit that like is a risk. Oh, I think, well, I think because of American dynamics in our culture, like everyone loves an underdog. All right. So there, so, so if, in fact, street art, and I'm glad you bring this up, street art kind of took off because of um, constraints in a place like, take New York City, for example. Mm -hmm. Okay. So like, um, they started seeing graffiti because like, you know, they're stodgy people who work for the state and, you know, cops who just enforce insurance policies and don't really uphold the law. I mean, and let's be honest, they, 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 they protect and serve up a good time is what they do. So, <laughs> so, um, so I remember, uh, I think art historian, Martha Cooper, uh, who, who like took a ton of photographs of street art and graffiti in like the seventies up until like, even now, um, she, she did bring up a good point and where like, uh, the, like, so where like, the MTA, the Metropolitan Transit Authority, which is in charge of the public transportation in, in, in the five boroughs, started working in tandem with the NYPD to tackle what they saw as a vandalism problem. All right. So so then um, in like 1982, uh, they received a significant increase in their budget 
and then and then because they started erecting more sophisticated fences to better maintain the train yards and stuff like that that just made graffiti artists do things like oh now i better come with my friends and bring step ladders and like throw welcome mats over the barbed wire and now instead of having to deal with one rogue man with a stencil or spray paint now you've got him and all his shithead friends and that and then then before you know it they're working even harder to hit their targets and they're also becoming increasingly territorial and aggressive towards other writers and then before you know it crews start showing up and forming you know and like because of the constraints placed on them it, it proved that necessity is the mother of invention so I, I think, you know, like in the spirit of American underdogs, it's like, wow, the state got millions and is working hand in hand with other agencies. Uh Oh, now graffiti's in the museum. Look what you've done. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. And it's and, you know, there is this kind of profanedom that comes with um, uh, with making the profane um, uh, uh the uh the the beautiful or like putting the profane in the place of the beautiful because um it knows like those who create the profane let, know what they're creating and know what they're supposed to be creating um and um and honestly some of the you know the, these like street artists uh from at least the cursory glancing i've done into them these are actually very talented individuals who have can and have made uh really structured rigid uh, classical, uh, almost like Rembrandt looking paintings um, oh, yeah. in their own time. And the oh. thing is like, they do that because they know what the good and the beautiful as all artists, they don't even, they can't even articulate it, but they just get mad when they see their shit that they'll go out and like paint on a wall somewhere um, in a museum. Oh, yeah. And they're like, this doesn't so, fucking belong there. I'm so glad. I'm so glad you bought this up. Because, well, like, and just real quickly, I think it, it is enduring Americana because, like, it came from here. And now, now, if, if you're in like Melbourne, Australia, and like, if you make a good enough mural, they'll be like, wow, that's beautiful. Here's a grant from the city, you know? Um, assuming you're not just like typing, like, uh, assuming you're not just posting the hard R endlessly along a city block. Um, <laughs> but no, but, but, but like, uh, but like you said, like, listen, things like, contrast composition negative space um uh putting things up relative to foreground and background semiotics Pe yeah yes people with no formal training figure this out even if like you said like if they even if they don't know the proper terminology even if they can't explain it to others they either instinctively or by trial and error figure this out all right and 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 on top of that um I, I, all right, if, if you don't mind me tooting my own horn. So, like, uh, I, I put up flyers, all right, and uh, I put up flyers of things I screen print on shirts, but the flyers can range from like Corona Chan holding up a little uh, flyer of her own saying it's okay to be infected, um, or like a, a, a beautiful picture of Chris Dorner and it just says respect troops. <laughs> or one of my you favorites. You can't corner the Dorner. Hey, you can't corner an idea, my friend, okay? Try as you may. Or take, like, um, you know when you see, like, the, um, the featureless people in, like, the walk-don't-walk walk sign? Like, the, that, that, that figure? You know who I'm talking about? Exactly, yeah. So picture him on uh, sitting on a, on a train or on a bus. And his face is in his hands and he looks like he's in distress and there, he's in a circle with a line over it. And it says, writing with the spare prohibited, 
keep hopes up. All right. So all my flyers, I know they look like shit posts and they are, but, but when I workshop a flyer, like I print them out and like, I'll do test runs. Like if I walk by it and I'm looking directly ahead of me, will it pop up in my peripheral? You know, like if it's a black and white flyer, like where can I, and where can I not put this up? You know, um, because like you have to, like if putting up black and white flyers in a, like, and the backdrop is a public park, you can't miss it, you know? But like the same way, if you, if I put up a color flyer and I'm surrounded by nothing but concrete, you can't miss it, you know? Um, so, but then I do runs where like, I'll have my phone out. And if I'm focusing on the phone, will the flyer pull my attention away from it? Like I do a lot of R and D and like, but you know, like kind of like with TV or kind of like with cooking, it's the end result people are there for, you know? So, so that being said, bro, I'm an uncultured slob. I don't know shit about shit. Like I never took an art history class. I hardly know anything about art theory, but I know what looks good to me. I know what I like. And Evidently, I'd like to believe that other people pick up on what I put down because I never thought I'd have to figure out uh, international shipping and customs and forms just to send people zines and shirts. But like, hey, I, 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 if I could do it, almost anyone can do it. Almost anyone. <laughs> so, uh, so, so to just wrap up this whole bit on how this is how this pertains to 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 Americana. Um, I'd argue in a way we like we by we, I mean, the royal we me, the child of immigrants and you American stock. Uh, we <laughs> we made this and kind of like, you know, like I, I would argue our biggest export is cultural, you know. So, well, yeah, so that's, that's how we uh, that's how we rule the world is is by our, uh, you know, some call it the pause. And, you know, to a certain extent, a lot of it is paused. Uh, but you know, and it's really difficult to kind of find where the, um, uh, where the pause ends and Americana begins. And I think, I think that's actually a <laughs> part of the really, the really, the really important work that we're doing here is because Americans have kind of, they, we used to have an idea of what Americana and the meaning of America was before that kind of got, got stripped from us. Um, but, um, but it's, 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 it's funny. I, you were mentioning, you were mentioning something earlier uh, a little bit earlier in your spiel, um, that I wanted to, <laughs> that I wanted to, um, uh, make a comment upon and I've completely forgotten it. Oh, did you, uh, it's okay. No one can bat a thousand. Sometimes I stop to think and I forget to start again, but, but <laughs> I would like to jump on something you mentioned earlier and mm -hmm. where, um, like how like rebellion gets like subverted, infiltrated, and then swallowed by the system. They kind of like how like, ooh, Rage Against the Machine started out from raging against the machine and playing in living rooms to requiring you take the gene-altering mystery fluid to see them live. <laughs> like, I, 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 listen, I, I, I want to make a Rage Against the Mansion joke, but it's corny, and, and I'll just leave it at that. However, uh, take like... um. Mark Echo and Shepard Fairey, all right? Before they were household names designing clothes and Obama campaign posters, they were street artists. Like, have you ever seen um, th this? Uh, it's like a meme template, like Andre the Giant has a posse, and it lists, like, his stats, like his weight, uh, the number of times he held a championship belt, or, like, uh, 
like a like a picture of Andre the Giant that just says obey. Like you ever see either one of those? I, I've seen obey. I haven't seen. I don't know if I've if I I might have seen it and not made the mental connection that it's Andre the Giant, but I'm not familiar. All otherwise. right, all right. So so, um, for for like over a decade. Uh, Shepherd Fairy would like tag up cities like under the darkness of night. And like, imagine, imagine you wake up and you go to work and you see like 50 something Andre the Giant stencils all around your city and underneath everyone, it just says obey. Now, mind you, like this was before broadband internet. So, oh, I know. Like, oh, wait, hold on. I know exactly what this is. I, I'm sorry. I just, I just, uh, just looked it up. Um, I, I've seen this all the time. This is on um uh this is actually a big zoomer like thing that tons of zoomers would wear in middle school and high school on shirts and the like is that exact like tag. I, yeah. I like I said, I've never I've never made the connection that it was Andre the Giant. To me, it was just some weirdo fucking face with a obey beneath it. <laughs> well, well, right. So so imagine like so this was like years before broadband internet, and like there was no okay, obviously. Like if you go to bed and wake up tomorrow and your city is spammed, then people are going to start posting on it on Twitter, on Instagram. You're going to have 20 think pieces of like, well, obey is a commentary on the human condition, right? And it's just going to like turn before you know it, like it takes a life of uh, unto itself. But back then it was like all people could really do was like either go, dude, this is awesome or like hold me i'm scared why is under the giant everywhere honey you know so so he had been doing this for over a decade and now he's this like celebrated gallery artist and it's like hey uh, and 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 that's the kind of look i'll be honest with you man i don't blame him because i wouldn't want to be toiling forever with stencils although i will say like at what point does cashing out become selling in you know because if some company approached me with a check and it had enough zeros on it, I'd be like, all right, that flyer design is yours. Go put it on condoms. I don't care. Like, put it on, like, hey, if you could put Hello Kitty on a, quote, massage wand, end quote, you could put, uh, you could put, um, uh, it's okay to be infected. I'm gonna just make, the, I, this, this check can buy me a summer home in Connecticut. Okay. Do what you will. Put you know, it on paper towels for all I care. Many, many of my listeners. I also remember what I was going to say, but uh, many of my listeners uh, may not like to hear this, but that is that is my exact mindset. If uh, if Peter Thiel or one of his representatives ever comes into my DMs offering me uh, something uh, with with quite a few quite a few zeros on it, and I'll I will my reaction will quite literally be, yes, sir, Lord Thiel. Uh, gays are okay now um and uh, <laughs> and that's that's exactly how it'll go and you know it's the hustle but um but i remember what you said and that was um or i remember what i was going to say uh before before i forgot is that like you know your thing with flyers and and zines um to me i i come from a generally suburban area i've always been in suburbs or small rural virginia towns I've very rarely gone to cities. Um, I've been to New York City like three times, and it was three too many. Um, <laughs> I, you know, I've been to Chicago. I was actually I was at Chicago meeting my mentor. Uh, I think two weeks ago now, and that was I like Chicago to be. You know, I'm I'm sorry, man. Fuck New York. Fuck New York. Um, the oh, no. buildings. Say it one more time. What feeling? Fuck, 
fuck New York. Hey, right? Attaboy. Uh, but, uh, you know, th- the comparison I make between New York City and Chicago is that if you're in New York City, all of the buildings feel like they're fucking staring down at you. They feel like they're putting all of their weight on you at once. And that you're kind of this like cockroach beneath this like tyrant's foot. And you feel like if you if you like knock down one of those buildings, every other building in the city would knock down. Yeah. Um, you know, it's funny you mentioned that. Like I've never had that feeling other than my own neck of the woods and where if mm-hmm. you walk down midtown it's like why does it feel like i'm looking at this through a fish lens like camera view like why does it's a great it, rush song yeah like why does it feel like the buildings are slightly curving towards me like yeah yeah you scared you scared <laughs> there is that weird feeling of it and um yeah h- however um uh i i i will say this though um I know you remembered what, what it is you said. I just want to stick up for mm-hmm. New York real quickly. Uh, mm-hmm. um, so I'm I'm from Queens, all right? When people yeah. think of New York City, they think of, like, midtown Manhattan, the Manhattan skyline, and, like, that's it. But, like, um, no one ever talks about how, like, th- th- there were, like, a few skirmishes off the coast of Bay Ridge, Brooklyn during the Revolutionary War. Like, like I would argue America lives in Brooklyn, you know, and, and Queens is sort of like the melting pot no one ever brings up because it works because it is the most ethnically diverse county in america and everyone self-segregates america (laughs) so um and and uh and and uh and and i think it's safe to say that like you know um We've gone from cesspool to Singapore in about 25 years, and we're on the way back, baby. Like <laughs> on uh, the way back to cesspool. <laughs> oh, dude, dude. I mean, like, like, like. First of all, there's been a pricing exodus in every city across like these United States. All right, and like, I think we're entering the late 70s, early 80s, 2.0 rising crime, white flight, uh, pricing exodus in every city, drugs, as if someone wants it there. I never thought crack would make a comeback. AIDS is still here, but but now people are getting trench foot. Hell, like and monkeypox from like you know uh, from from the kind of behavior that earns you fire and brimstone. Well, but um, but but I, I will say this, and this is you know I, I wanted to finish my my thought about Chicago, but like I'll say this in reaction um, is uh, you know I'm glad that this is come at least for me personally. I'm glad that we're coming into the early 70s or late 70s early 80s when i'm at my youngest and most vital uh to face it and that's why you know i'm sure you're you're you know probably a decade or so if not two uh if not three older than me but um uh but you know that's that a lot of guys in our thing are our age and that's what i want all of y'all to keep in mind is just that you know this is you know this crisis we're about to face is at our youngest and most vital and best to face it but um uh with um you know, comparing Chicago to New York City, right? Chicago, all of the buildings, you know, there are some that are tight together, but like physically they're more spaced out, but like they feel, they feel like they're more spaced out. Oh, I will say, I think, I think uh, to to build on what you're saying, Mm -hmm. and I'm sorry to interrupt, but like, listen, I'm from here, like from, from here, I didn't move here. And I would, I just let you and your listeners and all the ladies and jerks at home or in your car or in your isolation tank or what you're listening to between reps while you scream into a pillow. Um, people who, first of all, 
people who move here are the ones who are like, oh, my God, what do you mean you don't have bodegas where you're from? Those people can go fuck right off back to Delaware <laughs> or wherever they come from. All right. They, they, they could like, they could go heart someone else's city. All right. Second of all, unlike New York City, Chicago has actual real alleyways between their buildings like uh, that, like everything is so compacted in Manhattan because it's like graph paper, you know. Um, however, in my experience, mm -hmm. like like if you walk down some streets outside the Midtown, like uh, once you leave the Midtown proper, like I remember asking my friend, like, why do you have such gigantic fucking gaps between your buildings? And they're like, you don't have alleyways in New York City. And and, and it made me look like a country bumpkin, like, well, sure, not alleyways like these back home. Like, it just, <laughs> it's just like, wow, m m maybe this is what cities are supposed to be like and not my yeah. shitty, you know. Um, well, and, and, and you, you kind of actually, you said what I was actually, you know gearing back towards which was um uh, that chicago feels like the platonic ideal of what a city should be um is the mm. best way because because all of the all of the buildings you know how in new york the buildings you feel like the buildings are staring down at you and they have you beneath your feet in chicago it feels like they're staring up at the sky and they don't really give a fuck about you like <laughs> like that's that's the i never felt like pushed down uh in chicago i felt like i was i felt claustrophobic because it felt like i was between a bunch of giants but uh but it wasn't it wasn't the same as new york um but the the the, the thing i wanted to say to you is that like now we're this talk about cities culture of um uh, of flyers of 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 real life shit posts of all this other stuff you know i don't want to say it's unique to an urban environment but it can really only work in an urban environment in oh. places where people are close together. I mean, let me, let me give you an example. And people, if they go back enough, far enough in my Twitter, they'll see me posting this. But when I was in my college town, it's a small college town, South of Richmond in rural Virginia. Um, the last semester I was there, someone from fucking Patriot front kept putting up Patriot front flyers. And every time I would see them, I would take a photo of it and I would tear it the fuck down. Uh, because you know, I don't, I don't know they what the glow in the dark. <laughs> yeah. I don't know what the consensus is. I don't know if they're glowies or if they're cool now. I personally don't trust them. Um, but, and, and so every time I saw them, I would, you know, I would take down these, these flyers and it would be, it would be like every fucking day almost that I would see one of these around. And the thing is, is that to me, it just kind of seemed like not at all fucking effective in this, in that sort of small town environment because everyone kind of just like small towns aren't actually compact the way cities are, you know, they, you know, yeah, obviously you have your, your hangouts and all that, but most people don't really, don't really, aren't, aren't really looking around to see flyers um, in, in, in cities. And I noticed this in Chicago and in other places in cities, because you have that many people packed in at once, just sticking something up somewhere will be seen by hundreds, if not thousands of people that day. And that's that's just something I wanted to draw sort of like emphasis toward is the, uh, the 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 urban nature of street art, of flyer culture, of all this other stuff, because you'll see it out in like the fucking sticks. You'll see it on, under some underpass in um, uh, in like buttfuck I-95 somewhere. And, you know, you're like, what the fuck is it? Is this doing here? Like, why did you come out to the middle of fucking nowhere to paint this where no one's going to fucking see it? You know, <laughs> well. Well, all right, all right. For 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 what it's worth, all right. You you do bring up a good point, and where like okay, 
because there's no way to say this without coming off as like arrogant, like realistically speaking. But because I live in a city like where I do, on one hand, my where I live is my canvas. But on the mm -hmm. other hand, it's sort of a responsibility to utilize what is around me because like, all right, realistically speaking, let's say I live in like Madison, Wisconsin or Milwaukee or um, Detroit or like L.A. Or, you know, like I really don't think because first of all, in L.A., you have to drive everywhere. So like I, flyers where people drive. I mean, yeah, there's like the L.A. metro area, Sunset Boulevard. But like it, it would almost be like imagine spending like five years stenciling and putting up flyers and wheat pasting and all this shit. And then like I think five years of that effort in a city like New York would yield greater results than five years in like Rochester or Providence. And, and that's not to speak ill of those places. It's just that, you know, like, and of course there's a paradox and we're like, you know, I don't take a pic, I don't take a picture of every flyer I put up, but there is a certain allure to like, Oh, look at what this guy in New York city is doing out in public as a zillion people are going to and from somewhere <laughs> for, for whatever reason, New York city has a bonus multiplier premium on that, you know? Um, so, so you are right. Like such a thing can only happen in a, in an urban area. And, and one last thing before I forget, I know I'm giving you an ear beating here, just so uh, just to be absolutely certain that a few ladies and jerks are here for Americana content. I got it for you, baby, because street art, as we know it, modern contemporary street art, it comes from America and it took off elsewhere like rock and roll. Few American art forms have lasted as long like abstract expressionism, which lasted maybe a decade. Graffiti keeps going after like 50 something years. Like, like, I mean, come on. Like you're welcome. Thanks, America. <laughs> Say it back, rest of the world. Uh <laughs> <laughs> well, and the and the thing is though, is that a lot of and a lot of people would probably like, you know, it's because this is this is this is a problem with the uh with I guess our side of things and um uh you know those this is like the, the, the Julius Evola problem with America is like you know they'll they'll point to anything America ever created that's fun or that's colorful or something else like that. Uh, and they'll point, and I don't mean to sound like a fucking shit lib when I say that, but they'll, <laughs> but they'll, but they'll point to it and they'll be like, oh, this is like spiritual negrification or, oh, this is, this is something that, you know, the Jewish people came up with or whatever. Um, I love how I've dropped all euphemisms I normally use. Uh, but anyway, um, <laughs> oh, you, you, you could hear walk, walk five minutes in any direction from where I live and you could hear worse. <laughs> Fair enough. Uh, but, um, um, but you know, anything like like jazz music right you know i i used to play in a jazz band i got i used to play saxophone i this is paul lore um i you know and uh and i used to get i used to get good enough at it that i could um uh or i guess i got good enough at it uh that i could solo and i soloed fairly frequently and i love soloing and it's it's just a fun it's a fun thing and it's it's inherently american and yeah sure you know the blacks were the ones who started doing it but the white people perfected it like we, we took it and then we made it better. <laughs> well, yeah. And, but, uh, but and that... the same thing with street art, I think, honestly, I mean, it, it, there is like a raw component to street art that, um, I don't mean to cut you off, but like that, that, that kind of 
is in the sort of profane way, the same way that the holy fool archetype is. Yeah, it's it's beautiful in a in 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 a strange way. You know, at the, like the same way, like the the bottom of the pyramid, it can be just as can be just as finely decorated, just as uh, important, just as um uh, you know well appreciated as the top of the pyramid. Oh yeah, know. yeah. I mean, I mean, like look at. Like, look at how Japan takes American culture and pushes it through their lens, and the end result is like stuff like I, I that will endure for like a zillion. And look, the first cars Japan ever manufactured were just American cars, but smaller. Like, I believe, like like jazz, for example. Okay, so like black people in America created jazz. All right, that set precedent. Then other people took it, and then before you know it, there's jazz around the world, all right? Kind of like uh, the same way America invented rock and roll, which you can kind of divide back to the blues and whatever. But like, but now, like, now you have rock and roll coming from other corners of the earth that are so far removed from America. You and, know? and who's and who's but who's the greatest uh, rock and roll artist of all time? Just like, you know, without even thinking about it, one name comes to mind. Elvis. Exactly. Like anyone who says otherwise is coping. You know, um, you know, maybe maybe if Buddy Holly hadn't have died in that plane crash, maybe mm. he, he would have been a contender. But like, you know, the way things happen, it's like Elvis is the king for a reason. And no one ever rocked. And, you know, all of these, you'll hear all these leftists like, oh, he stole so much from black people. <laughs> although, but although like, you know what, though? I sometimes wonder, uh, there's got to be like a timeline out there where like Carl per Perkins wasn't in a car accident days before uh, appearing on the River Cuomo show. So like he gets on TV before Elvis does on the Ed Sullivan show. And then he becomes the first rock and roll musician on television. And like his career is long and enduring, but not the cautionary tale. Like, like, like you see, like, 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 okay. Elvis is synonymous with rock and roll, but there are like hundreds of musicians from that era who have like, you know, 40 page long Wikipedia articles. They have discographies, but like you said, one name comes to mind like the king like why do you think we've kind of collectively agreed to call this guy the dude there are velvet elvis paintings in china for god's sake all right like he he, he is like peak you know this is americana show he peak on is you know you know he was in he was fucking you know he served in the army he was a tanker and i think the sixth armored division i could be wrong about that but he was a he was sergeant elvis presley um went through basic training and all of it you know, he um, uh, he starred in, you know, Lord knows how many films, uh, mm. you know, and he he uh, he lived on this great estate in Memphis, which is the shittiest city on Earth. And I, you know, I, if <laughs> if all of Memphis burned to the ground tomorrow, I would shed zero tears except for the best except for the Bass Pro Shops. The uh, eighth largest pyramid ever built in human history uh, needs to be kept standing. Um, but uh is it eighth largest? I think it's the eighth largest. Um, oh, and, and real quickly, like, I think Elvis is a perfect example of, like, Elvis comes from America, and then people outside of America love Elvis more than some people in America. Oh, exactly. Like, <laughs> and it, it's kind of like the weird inverse of, like, when George W. Bush was in office, there was a point where more people outside America were protesting him than people who lived here. Oh, like, yeah. You know? Uh, I, I will say this, though, just, just real quickly. Um... You see, like, uh, 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 if the ladies and jerks at home are not familiar with Elvis, 
first of all, like under everything, he was just like a, a country boy from Memphis. All right. Like, even though he earned fame, glory and international accolades, like he had a chef who could make him anything at any hour of the day. And homeboy, all he ever wanted was a fool's gold sandwich, a whole loaf of white bread hollowed out with peanut butter and bacon in it. All right. And you know what? On what you what 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 the libtard sees as unhealthy overindulgence. And uh, what I see is an unsophisticated treat that signifies the king's enduring all-American appeal because he's not only the king, he's one of us. Because any one of us would eat a fool's gold sandwich if no one was looking, right? He had the balls to do it in public in front of everyone is all I'm saying. And don't forget the banana. And, you know, I'm... Uh... I, I, I kind of I want to I want to say a Huey Long campaign slogan in a in an Elvis accent. Oh, never mind a king, something 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 like that. Uh, <laughs> that was I hope that was probably that was probably cringy as hell. But um, but no, you know, and you know, what's more American than dying a dr- as a drug-addled obese slob on the toilet? Um, <laughs> and and he was made an honorary DEA. First of all, listen, that's listen, true. Only only the king could be strung out on eleven different kinds of medication, barge into the White House. Now, mind you, like I don't know if you've ever tried to barge into the White House, but like depending on the situation, they will shoot on sight. Okay, <laughs> so imagine imagine Secret Service and armed security like. Oh my God! You see, that's the king, and he's just like okay, walking on by, like mama. And, and, and they're like, "Dude, it's the king!" And he, and imagine, like, imagine White House aides, like, "Oh, do you have an appointment, sir?" Shut up, Frank! It's the king, and he just barges <laughs> into the Oval Office, and like the most powerful man on the planet, Richard Nixon, a man so paranoid he did not trust the party that elected him into office, gets Based. up out of his chair and goes, "King." <laughs> Dude, like he he we and like we forget that he kind of like 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 Bruce Lee, we forget that he was a real person that walked among us, you know? That's true. Like like it's it because his 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 legend and myth and influence had preceded him to such a degree, we forget that he was just a country boy from Memphis. He well, was a living, walking, breathing, red-blooded American man. And that's that's a microcosm as to like what American culture really is. It's it's just this this thing that like country boys fucking around on their farms or wherever just kind of come up with and the whole world adopts it. And you know, you, that story, you know, right when I thought I couldn't love Richard Nixon any more than I already do, uh, <laughs> I, I, I now I now love somehow you did it. I love Richard Nixon more than I already did. Um, and um, uh, we are doing a terrible job talking about street art and uh, and graffiti. <laughs> oh no, we're talking about America, goddammit. it! Exactly. Um, but although... there's nothing more American than completely ignoring your main topic. <laughs> hey, there, I think what you're trying to say is there's nothing more American than the McLaughlin Group. Okay, um, but but to, okay, so so to kind of tie it back together very quickly, though, I would argue that. Um, to a degree, uh, flyers carry flyers, and to a lesser degree, zines carry out the tradition of pamphlets, in where it's culture jamming, it is information dissemination, and I will say this, okay? Like, let's say the next time, the next time you are in Chicago, imagine you're walking down the street, 
whether you're with your mentor or not, let's just say you're walking down the street, like with your mentor. Okay. Mm -hmm. And you see a flyer and it says, uh, it's okay to be infected. And it's like a cute anime drawing. Uh, and she's got like the little coronavirus things like as buns in her, instead of like the, um, instead of like the Chun Li princess Leia dumplings in her hair, she's got like, uh, like the coronavirus things. So, uh, you've never seen it and your mentor has never seen it. So first of all, you can't unsee it now. Okay. That memory, unless you get blackout drunk six days in a, in a row and you, you obliterate brain cells, you can't unsee it. Okay. Second of all, whether you agree with it or not, your emotional and mental default will come out, you know? And like, I'm not going to lie. Like that flyer was deliberately made to get people upset. All right. We do a little trolling, you know, um, just, a little bit. just, just listen, a, a, a troll, a trolling a day keeps the dog leash away. All right. So, um, so, so people who are like very pro gene altering mystery fluid mandates, they're going to get angry at me They're And then people who agree with me, they'll be like, <laughs> yeah. And, and even in this digital age, we find ourselves in dude. Number one, there's a premium on the physical. Like I, I like physical copies of things have been on the upturn, like starting with vinyl. And now think of all the things that are out of print on VHS and on DVD. Like think of the fact that like there are metal bands right now releasing things on cassette tape, knowing they'll sell out immediately because people want to hold things in their hand. You know, even I, I'm surprised at the number of people who like I'm guilty of this too, dude. Okay. I compulsively hoard images on my phone and my computer. Okay. So people will sometimes ask me for copies of the flyer and I'm like, yeah, give me an email. But sometimes they're like, no, I want physical ones. And like, I get it. Who am I to say no? Because like, I want physical copies of my shit, like, you know, or other people's shit. So, um, that being said, you're walking down the street with your mentor and you see this flyer and you know what, dude, whatever discussion you and him have because it is with someone you are intimately familiar with you know someone who's a whose opinion you respect and whose perspective you will consider right now you are talking with him about this and word of mouth is the cheapest and most effective form of marketing even in the digital age so now every person you you bring this flyer up to there's a possibility it's going to cascade and snowball like, you know, it's, it's like, uh, like dominoes really, whether the, whether anyone you talk to about it will agree with you or not. In fact, like, like, okay. So like, like take the respect troops flyer. Okay. I've put up flyers and I've had people make really shitty snarky remarks as they walk by. Like, ah, like you, uh, in fact, I remember one woman was like, ah, you pro military industrial complex pig. And I'm like, ah, you'll never unlearn this. Thank you. That made my day. Like, like that because, like, wow, look at how angry someone got at ink and paper in public. Look at how angry someone got, like, ink, this ink and paper that has no effect on their bottom line. It has fuck all to do with their deadlines at work. It has nothing to do with how they get along with their neighbors. And they're, and, and she's cursing at me in public, a complete fucking stranger. Okay. 
So, so, so if she goes to talk to her equally ugly, disgusting, fat, useless, talentless friends, because like comes to like, money comes to money, misery loves company, as above, so below, according to Alistair Crowley. So she's going to go to her equally hideous, useless friends and tell her friends what, or her pretend friends, because most women don't have real friends. Um, uh, so she's going to tell her pretend friends what she saw. Out of 10 of those ham magnets with bad hairdos, one of them is going to be like, I don't know, that's a pretty good idea. Oh, better not say it out loud. You know, <laughs> like even and like, that's it, because like information, information travels like a communicable disease. And I think ultimately that is the spirit behind like flyering, pamphleting, stenciling, you know, paste. You know, you know? It's, it's it's funny you say that because I'm, um, uh, you know, when I was when I was the short time I was on post active duty, um, we had this saying that I'm, uh, you know, in the barracks, uh, rumors spread like the clap. So, <laughs> <laughs> you know what though? Like you, you saw firsthand. Loose lips might not have sink ships, but boy, did they make the rounds! All right. So no, loose, man. Loose lips spread gonorrhea. <laughs> And, and and you know what? I think it was Patton. I think it was General Patton when he was in the Middle East who, like, did, like, rough math. This was, like, in, in early 1940s. I imagine mm -hmm. it's a zillion times faster now. But he did rough math, and he said a rumor could spread 50-something miles in the course of, like, one working day. Like, think oh, yeah. about that. Minus internet and smartphones. A rumor, 50 miles. Oh yeah, no, no it, it's like this is this is the thing. It's like why in the Middle Ages, like you know, people traveling on horse, right? Like they people would even if they were traveling, you know, not telling anyone, like their arrival, someone would have heard about their arrival, like before they even got there. Like the the saying that you know, word word travels faster than horses or something like that. You know, as it's that that concept has always been around because like. You know, even if it takes the most stupid roundabout route, like, you know, geographically, like the person talking to the next person, talking to the next person who talks to five other people, like, like, you know, that you're, you're right. Like that's sort of, uh, or at least general Patton was right with that sort of 50 miles a day. Like I'm probably even faster than that. If, it, if the circumstances are right, you know? Yeah. Uh, uh, so, so, um, and then. So let's say let, let's say I put up a flyer and and most of my flyers have like, you know, 718 TV like written somewhere on it, you know, because like that's that's my Twitter handle. So like um, if they punch 718 TV into Google, they're going to find my account. And ideally, they'll see on like my little media tab on my gallery, you know, pictures of flyers and shirts I make. So like now it becomes this self-propagating thing. I put up a flyer. And someone walks by it. They look up 718 TV. And if they're hip to what I do, they've already done half the work. They're already looking me up on their phone. Or they went home and looked me up. And if they're hip to what I do, they'll buy a shirt. Now, if if they're walking around with that shirt, other people... like Now, now it has gone from flyer to wearable DIY psyop. Someone paid me money for that they're wearing outdoors. So now they're reaching ecosystems that ink and paper have no right being in, you know? Exactly. So, so or like, you know, like I'll, I'll give you an example. Um, uh, a buddy of mine, he's a playwright. Uh, his name is Roman D'Ambrosio. 
and he had the premiere of a play last weekend called Three Lesbians Smoking a Cigarette Outside a, a Museum in Brooklyn. And uh, part of the play, like part of the 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 theme is like they're talking about a friend of theirs and they're using language like you think that they're talking about someone who died. No, it just turns out they're a victim of lesbian and tomboy genocide because they 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 came out as trans. So they're already talking about her as if like she's already dead, you know, like like hey, listen, tomboy genocide and lesbian extinction is a very real thing. And uh, that's part of what the play is about. So that being said, it was a surprise to me when my friend goes, dude, the, the, the production manager of my play loves Cars and Women magazine. And like, I never met him. I don't even know this guy's name, but whenever I go to like meetups with people on Twitter and shit like that, yeah, I'll bring my mask and I'll bring copies of the zine. Sometimes I scare the hoes and then sometimes the <laughs> hoes are like, do you have a website? And I'm like, sorry, babe, the mask stays on. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, but like, but dude, just by word of mouth and handing out copies of the zine, one of them found their way to the production manager of my friend's play. Because like, I, listen, like, even in spite of the global algorithm driven marketing and surveillance mind control grid we're forced to live with word of mouth man it's it's like stop and think of how many things you checked out because a homie of yours told you not oh, some yeah. jerk off review not some blue tick but like a buddy of yours and and, like, and and being being real not some fucking live stream or podcast you listen to ah see see so so like um, I, I think, and, and yeah, I, I mean, I, I don't want to get into the masturbatory exercise of being like, well, common sense must have done the same thing, being handed out copies behind alleyways and blah, 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 blah. But like, no, like it, it, it's, 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 it's sort of an America. I mean, hmm. yeah, right. Th there are elements of like, you know, like pranks to it. I'm not going to lie. Like if I go to a museum, I'll hide copies of the zines where they, where they don't belong. And I'm certain half of them are picked up by the museum staff and they're like, look at this asshole over here. But like, you know, like I, I, I do this without expectation. Okay. Like I, 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 my only expectation is that like it goes somewhere other than the garbage. And <laughs> I've had, I've had a number of people reach out to me when like, I've even had people send me pictures of like, dude, I love the zine. And it's like, wait, you and I don't follow one another on Twitter or Instagram. You're DMing me out of nowhere. I've never met you. None of your shit looks familiar to me, yet they have a copy of my zine. Huh. You know? But then, like, the zine is a gateway to, like, my website and then the shirts and, and vice versa. You know? I think part of the beauty, and I know I've been talking for, like, 11 minutes nonstop, but, but one last thing, all right? Part of the beauty is that I've even met people in my own neighborhood and I've joked about this with them, how like I'm sure we've stood in the same line for the same Italian combo at the same deli at some point. I'm certain I saw you at Greek Easter Mass at St. Irene's at one point. I'm certain you and I have taken the same train before and saw the same crazy homeless person rummaging through his shit, you know, at 8.13 in the morning on the way to work. And if it wasn't for the flyers, we would have never have met and shook hands, you know? <laughs> and it's, so, it's, it's, it's funny how that works. You know, I mean, um, 
this is this is something I noticed in 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 Chicago is that I can't stand cities because you know I think about the high intelligent and autistic people you know yeah I'm I'm high intelligent the the double edged sword is you're autistic um, is I just take in tons of fucking information and that includes people's faces and the problem with cities that I've I've found is that you know I. I, I don't have like, it, it's like I, everything is constantly in flux. Like I don't see people every day or I don't, you know, like, like I see someone one day and they disappear in the next. And that's like information I processed for, for that. I couldn't stop myself for no reason. And, you know, it's just, mm. a, just, a, just a, just a, just a personal thing. And this is, you know, armchair psychologizing or something like that. Uh, secondly is um, I always scare the hose because I give them the yaki stare. <laughs> well well listen listen I, I believe there's more than one way to skin a cat and there's more many more than one way to scare the hose okay? <laughs> one of them is being right all right <laughs> that's true mm. but i will say i will say part of it um and and you know what um, um i don't i don't mean to I don't mean to like shill things I tweet to other people live on the air because like it just sounds so gay to talk about Twitter in person. <laughs> like, especially like imagine you're hanging out with with a buddy of yours, like you go get lunch and he's like, Did you see so and so on Twitter? And like that's that's I'll admit that's that's not even fake and gay. That's fraudulent and homosexual. Okay. That being said, okay, um, I will say that like um like I chimed in on um on the mids discourse. Like I, 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 I had some words about that because I never understood like, like, okay. Like the, the whole point of this is, is like, like, uh, like people act like mid is some almighty put down and women are prone to meltdowns when they're called that. And uh, like, like, because like, like terms like pretty good or cute evidently have been morphed or transmorgified into mid and that makes people angry. And one reason for this is because, like, like for the most part, women tend to heavily reference social opinion or they identify with interests of their peers, you know? And this optimistic disposition quickly sullies into knee-jerk and irrational anger when challenged. And they typically resort to social shaming as an intellectual defense, right? So, mm -hmm. however simultaneously okay if you go to some sort of meeting or event and you see an absence of women that sets off an alarm right like like if you go to a, someone's living room and it's just a bunch of sweaty dudes talking about uncle ted an alarm is going to go off in your head uh... but if you go to someone's living room and like there are women in there that seems to make it seem like oh these guys aren't unhinged sociopaths they must have some sort of like um if not, like, like there are women there willing to put up with their mates. So there must be some, uh, <laughs> I, I, I know, I know, I know. I hate to, I hate to tell you this, but uh, the U.S. event that we had in, um, uh, in Nashville back in February was about a hundred guys in one room <laughs> giving <laughs> speeches to each other. Okay, and there were okay. only about a two and a half women present. Okay. Well, well, well. Uh, first of all, better than zero. 
All right. Because <laughs> if there were zero, like someone would have made that very obvious joke. But but you see, even the presence of two women or two and a half. I what do you mean by two and a half? Like he is, he is the eunuch. Oh, I okay, okay. So okay, let's round up. Her words, okay. not mine. Her words, I, not I, mine. Okay, okay. Uh, you know what? For 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 argument of, of math, let's round up and say three. Okay. <laughs> so even the presence of three women one, it reassured everyone there that, oh, we're not all a bunch of loser perma-virgins, okay? And two, like, a woman communicate... Okay, like, your ideas to me sound reasonable and rational, okay? But, mm -hmm. but like, your ideas coming from the mouth of a woman that you would need, like, fucking, like, uh, uh, Madison Avenue PR teams to figure out how to prime women to even say it, let alone interpret it, you know? Well, you know, but the, the thing about this is, though, you know, I know I block every e-girl on Twitter, and that's kind of one of my gimmicks. Uh, you know, Good. You know, every 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 content creator has a has a bunch of gimmicks they start developing that, you know, they, they it's it's memeing themselves. It's what zine, for you, it's the zine thing, and it's the flyers and the luchador mask and, and all of this other stuff. But you, you need to have multiple in order to be a notable personage, multiple memes. For me, blocking all women not just all e-girls but just all women on twitter you know there's a, there's a couple there's a couple oh, yeah. there's a couple exceptions but you know that's one of my memes right but despite that i think the fact that we have so many e-girls popping up that we have so many women making accounts that are like you know oh i'm a right-wing woman now and that's my whole personality should i even dated one of them in real life um but uh you know it, it that's a good thing because what that tells me is that we're not crazy. You know, we do have something that makes sense to the consummate insiders of any society, which is women, right? To the point where they think that they can get social gain of some sort by adopting that identity. I think that's a very, oh. very good sign. Oh, yeah. I mean, well, 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 here's here's the thing. I mean, like, this is me being very bitter and caustic and cynical when I say this, but like like you see um like a lot of women are pack animals and uh like they rely very strongly on their perception of the group you know to define what they think is wrong or right like men for the most part if they're content and if they're satisfied they have zero problem being like mc ride and toiling in the darkness like forever until someone has to find their corpse you know however um, some more than some women can essentially fuck their way into any form of group culture or society, while most men are required to marry in, which takes more time and effort. Like all it takes is a woman turning 30 to go, Oh, I'm super trad. Now I want kids. Here's me in a house dress. Ooh, I bake the pie. <laughs> like it, it, it I, I know that makes me sound bitter and vindictive, but I think some, some, women end up making that cultural turn because one like the biological clock is ticking all right mm -hmm. and number two i think life experience separates the wheat from the chaff of their of the beliefs they've held true you know like like uh, imagine imagine believing in all the libtard talking points from when you get out of college to like your late 20s and then you're like oh no pattern recognition 
uh, has dictated that the following things I've believed in turned out to be nonsense all along. And like, and, 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 cause haven't you ever noticed like there's a contingency of people on the right in, in dissident politics and where like, Oh, you started out as a libtard and then you began like the hero's journey to where you are now. And yeah. that seems to be like a reoccurring theme. Well, like, yeah, that's, especially that's, that's with question. women. Well, and that's a question tons of people will ask each other. Is like when you first meet a guy in our thing, one of the first questions they'll ask is, oh, well, what was your journey? How did you get to this point? Mm. Right. You know, where did you start and where did you go to? And I mean, for some people, they're still in the libertarian phase. And in some people, they're a bit more advanced. But, you know, I'm going to be going to be frank with you. Uh, there is there is always. Um, unless you get into the, uh, unless you get, I'm not going to speak of uh, any one particular denomination, but unless you get into the trad insert religion here, uh, loop, uh, the, uh, the, the, the trad plantation, if you will, um, the trad big house. <laughs> yeah. Basically, unless you get, unless you get caught in that, uh, self-reinforcing loop, there is, a. Uh, there is only one destination that this train is going towards, and I will uh, I will leave it at that. Oh, uh, but, yeah, uh, but, uh, <laughs> but um, but yeah, I mean, um, and and yeah, you're correct. It is it is a recurring theme. Is this uh, is this idea of of where we once were and where we are now? And really, I don't think that 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 can be at all separated from the past ten or so year, I guess, I guess eight, I guess maybe not 10, six. I, I don't know how many years it's, it's been a confusing, but since 2015, 2014, 2015, when things started getting really bad, um, this is sort of like that's uh, in America specifically, no one really mm. gives a fuck about anything. This is, you know, what you talked about earlier, how the rest of the world, it gets more emotional about stuff in America than America. That's because, you know, America is the only important place on the planet earth anymore. Um, everyone else is playing our tune until uh, we die off as a culture. The fact that people still give a fuck uh, to the point where they'll go insane in other countries about what happens in America oh, tells me yeah. that America will not stop being basically new Rome for a very long time. Oh, no. and, but, and people, you know what, if I could just piggyback on what you're saying mm -hmm. real quickly, I find it fascinating that people can make a career living outside of America talking about American culture and politics. Oh, of course. Like I think, and you know what, our rich tradition of having people come from overseas and lecture Americans on what to think and how to feel about things with a foreign accent, you don't need to be a Trevor Noah or a, or a John Oliver and come here, you could just do it from the comfort of your own home. Of course, like, it's 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 bewildering, and and um and and you know what? Like one of my favorite disparities of mm -hmm. Americans looking at America and people overseas looking at America. Like, all right, if Hideo Kojima has taught me anything, he looks at the U.S. military and its legacy with greater respect and almost reverence like compared to Americans looking at their own military history, like metal gear solids, one, two, three, and four are fucking works of art. And I, I, I would argue it needed an outsider to present that to us. Yeah. You know? And you know, that's part of the whole, uh, be the America that Japan thinks you are sort of thing. <laughs> and I mean, and I mean, you know what, and it works the other way around too. You can go into a lot of places in the world. And even if you're like a half Ecuadorian, half Greek guy like yourself, 
you can just say, oh yeah, I'm an American and people, and you'll say it with the accent and you'll, you'll, you'll have the attitude and the way that you walk and probably even, even if you're not that tall, that much taller, you'd be more physically imposing just by how you walk and carry yourself over Europeans. And I've noticed this several in, in several different instances and people will pay deference to you because you have the, the kind of, uh, almost the imperium of, uh, you know, to use it in the Roman sense, the, the sovereignty of being of the world hegemon. You know what? I'm glad, I'm glad you bring this up. Cause like, I was thinking about this, like, all right, I've had, I, I've been very fortunate to, to leave the country a couple of times. And I remember when I was full of piss and vinegar in my early twenties, I spent, uh, some time in Portugal and in Spain and number one, it was really like like okay like i could speak spanish very well uh, but my accent immediately gives me away but i did remember a number of people be like oh like where in america are you from and even before i opened my mouth like i remember i remember like um like uh i, I was like walking through through toledo and um there was this like little cafe on the corner of the street. I walked down and like the owner of, of, uh, of this cafe, he was outside having a cigarette. And then I stop in, I look at him and I look at the sign and he just went and like in Spanish, like where in America are you from? And I'm like, how'd you know I was from the United States? Like some people thought uh, I, I was Greek because of my face. And he goes, the way you carry yourself. And in a way it was like, Oh, like, like, I wasn't like Rodney Dangerfield working the room going like, Hey, shit lips, how you doing? And just like assigning people nicknames as I walk by them and be like, Hey baby, give me your number. I'll cheat on you. I wasn't like doing that, but evidently just like, 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 like shoulders back, you know, proper straight. But like, you know, like I don't, I, I, I didn't look as meek as the people around me. It's funny. You mentioned that I've been thinking about that for the past few days, man. Like they, they even see it by the way you carry yourself. You're right. Young American men go around the world. The women there are of better quality and will like you more. Oh, um. oh, oh my sweet Jesus. I've, I've come to terms. I've come to terms that like Mrs. Haynes is probably going to come from uh, a country outside the United States. <laughs> I've come to, I've re and you know what? It's dude? so easy. It's so easy. You just and, need and, to, you just need to have friends there and, and they'll and, just make introductions. And, and you know, it's crazy, but, but you know, what's nuts though. Um, like uh, I, I, I mean, looking back on it now. Yeah. It was kind of cringe. Okay. But like, you know, like young, young American men, if you could leave the country, oh, dude, imagine some fucking Yankee asshole in like a Mets jersey wearing jorts. All right. Go like, go <laughs> some like, wigger. <laughs> yeah. Go like, sup, baby. What's your sign? And then it's like, I need a Americano. Está loco. Claro que sí, soy loco. Yo quiero tu número de teléfono, ¿ah? ¿eh? And then she's giving the, oh my God, he speaks Spanish, hunched shoulders, mm, happy hand gesture. Like, no, I, and I think. The pussy tingle. I did. <laughs> it's, listen, like, like only Tom Jones can, can do it better than I can. All right, man. <laughs> but I think that like brash, like even going in with no battle plan, the fact that you just fucking stagger in and you're like, Hey, I'm talking to you now. Like it, it makes you realize that like how different other people can like, like one of the reasons Japanese women love American men is just number one, they're direct because in Japan they have, they don't, 
like in, in, like like real, real, real quick real quick the show neither advocates for nor condones race mixing hey 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 listen listen all interracial relationships can simply boil down to son your mom and i were horny that's that's i i, I take it from the spawn of a greek and an ecuadorian okay um but but one of the reasons why Jap like for, so like in Japan, let's say you and I are like Japanese salary men, and we're in, and we're in the office, and you're like, "Hey, Hainsan, Hainsama, can you help me move this weekend?" Instead of saying no, I'll be like, "Ah, that sounds really difficult," which is the roundabout way of saying no, but not saying it directly, you know. Mm -hmm. So imagine the breath of fresh mountain air it is if it's like, "Sup, you're cute. What are you doing Friday?" Like that's <laughs> so, so no, no, I, I, you know, um, and, and you know what, I hate to say this, but like, I almost feel like America's like macho man, Randy Savage. And we're like, you hate us, but you want to be us. That's like, exactly that. You know, it's, you know, we talk about microcosms. I really think that, uh, that WWE and macho man is like a really good example of kind of what America appears to be to the rest of the world and what yep. it fucking should be. Mm. All right. Um, but we are, you know, we've gone about 23 or so minutes over what I uh, intended oh, to talk about. Oh, shit. My but, bad, uh, dude. No, no, it's all good. We're, we're giving them, we're giving the, the viewers even more content. Uh, you know, two episodes every every month for five dollars a month. It's a it's a steal. It's a steal. It's two dollars and fifty cents in uh, an episode. That's that's nuts. You know, it's, it's the price of a cup of coffee. Uh, but listen, uh, listen, ladies and jerks, when you get Queen's trash on the line, he will give you an ear beating until the host is putting a gun to someone's head. All right. Yeah, he's he's, he's still doing it right now. He's doing it. He's doing it to affirm what I'm saying. Um, but um, but Wink I will twice say, if yes, once if no. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but um, uh, I I do want to say just to kind of like tie this all back together. Your sort of like final thoughts that you can give. You know, just about. I know we we went fucking fifteen schizophrenic different directions and did not at all talk about uh talk about street art uh exclusively, but um. If, if, if you had any like final thoughts or like, you know, one last long screed you wanted to give to the listener about like kind of everything we've, we've talked to uh, or talked about rather on this, on any real topic we, we, we came up with. Oh, sure. All right. Well, um, I would argue that. All right. Um, I, I started putting up flyers because sometime in like 2014, it was abundantly clear that, you know, things are wrong in the world. Anyone paying attention and what half a brainstem can notice this. I started out with stickers and then I learned how to screen print shirts from YouTube. And, you know, I knew I had good ideas and it started with, you know, starting with an idea and finishing with something you could hold up to the light. I must admit, it's a very empowering thing. And now the clock starts ticking and I'm looking out the window of my office with my chin in my hand daydreaming about shirts and flyers. And then the world was closed down because of Chinese lung herpes. And now everyone has to do their job from home. That freed up all the time I had been ever. I would have cut my left arm off and thrown it into a river just for the chance of meeting a wizard who is like, ha young man, I will roll a D20. And if you and if it ends up on a prime number, I'll grant you a wish. And it doesn't land on a prime number. I would have I would have been happy enough with that. <laughs> but I just to ask for time. All right. Time. 
So now I could do all these things like DIY psyops, shit post in meat space, get my writing out in and and not just my writing, but to get my friends published, you know, like like uh, so so I believe people have different ways of articulating what they think and feel. All right. And I truly believe Thomas Wolfe once said something to the effect of everyone has a story to tell. And I believe that's true. Everyone has been through shit, done shit, witnessed shit in their life that no writer's room could ever come up with. Stop and think how many times you saw something. And if it wasn't for like your friend, your homie, the girl you were dating, a parent, a relative, your mentor, if they didn't see what happened with you, no one would ever believe you that it happened. You know, that being said, um, I feel that so many things are up for grabs right now. Like institutions are being revealed to be the tepid monoliths of failure that they are, you know, um, like pro like programming on TV is at an all time low. It's worse than dog shit. Okay. Um, like the arts, it turns out the art world and academia turns out to be driven entirely by personal resentment. So if there was ever a time, like something real quick, that's something Harold Bloom talks about a lot. The literary critic, uh, I don't know if you're familiar. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, uh, he's, he's one of the cornerstones of my thought. He actually, he was, a he had ethnic affiliations as I always, as I always talk about, but, um, uh, he was one of the best literary critics. I think, of, I think the best literary critic of the past 50 yeah. years. And that's what he talked about was the uh the school what he called the school of resentment the feminist the marxist the uh the postmodernist based around foucault and other other uh uh you know such uh such idiots um and he basically said that they're just they're just opposed to anything aesthetically pleasing basically off of pure resentment oh yeah i mean like like here's 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 the thing like if if, if there's one if there's one last thing I could say to you, and 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 this will be the, the wrapping up of what my deal is, and and all right. So like someone like someone like yourself, you are examining and re-examining things through the lens of Americana. All right. Mm -hmm. Someone like the Prudentialist, yes, he does culture commentary, and I would quicker go to him for geopolitics than I would most news channels or outlets. You know, there are people out there who have you know, uh, like, like workbenches that they're building foundation with. Okay. Mm -hmm. Now, um, through shirts and flyers and working on the zine that opened up doors for me. And, and that, that got me in touch with people and getting involved with things that were never in the cards for me, dude, never like, oh, yeah. I, but, but I, but there's that quote, by Carl Jung, where he says, like an old alchemist tells his apprentice, even at your loneliest, remember that if your work is forthright and if you're true to it, there are friends you have yet to encounter down the road in the darkness. You know, so that being said, can I give my closing remarks? No, go ahead. All right. Ladies and jerks, I'm a very provincial person. The professional world of art, fashion, and academia seem totally alien to me. I am a product of the New York public education system. I'm the child of immigrants. I'm not the smartest guy in the room. There are a few things in this life I know I'm good at, and one of them is expressing myself, whether it's talkity-talk, clickety-clack, or obsessing over something in MS Paint. I cut, Dude, I don't know how to fucking work Photoshop. I do everything in MS Paint. 
but like I will zoom in and drag everything pixel by pixel until darkness outside turns to dark blue and I hear the birds chirping like that like I, I'm 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 not an artist by any stretch of the imagination I'm just a fucking obsessed weirdo all right that being said the exposure and word of mouth of what I do has given me a glimpse into these worlds you know art fashion and academia and I've learned that for the most part they're driven entirely by personal resentment. Everyone at the Verso Loft hates one another. Every academic and journalist who attacks online posting culture is jealous of the freedom we have and how people actually like us. No one is deplatformed in the art world for ideas. Those are just a cover for petty personal resentments. You know, I mean, if you have a career in it, ignore the, this but if you don't have a career in it, abandon these institutions. Don't go to grad school. I went to grad school. I only went to grad school so I could work an office job that paid better than the one I was at. I don't even remember most of what I learned to earn a degree with my name on it that says Industrial Organization and Public Policy from Baruch College. <laughs> hey, Baruch is the proletariat of uh, the Harvard of the proletariat, according to Henry Kissinger. And uh, he's, he, he, listen, America's favorite war criminal knows a thing or two, okay? So, uh, Gallery art is a dead world. The spirit of art and creativity and scholarship and the love of ideas. It's it's it's, it's a dead world till uh, right wingers start opening them, and then uh, it's not anymore. Uh, yes, because now it, it, I never thought in my life I would go to like a DIY show or like watch bands play live on a rooftop, and like half the crowd were people who were very serious about their orthodox faith. <laughs> like, I, like and these are like dudes who look like roadies for Cannibal Corpse with long hair and black t-shirts, black you know Dickies work pants, black boots, whole nine yards, and like you know the band is doing their thing, and like they're like and then like after the show. Like these people are saying grace before they sit down and eat these same people, you know, so so least uh, least depressing orthodox converts. <laughs> they, so 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 the spirit of art and creativity and scholarship and the love of ideas have abandoned these institutional prisons that the 20th century condemned them to. It's all up in the air. It's all up for the taking. OK, I've observed all this firsthand. The institutionalized culture world is like a never ending hipster college party where everyone spends all night talking shit about everyone else behind their backs. The art, the philosophy and the ideas are secondary, even boring to the participants. There is a huge difference in positivity between us and them. The kind of mutual support, cross-promotion, sharing of resources, sense of fraternity that we have does not exist in the professional culture world. The difference is night and day. And, and you know what? Like, if some uncultured slob in a luchador mask and an ECW jersey wearing cargo shorts and flip-flops could be drinking bubbly out of a champagne flute glass and hearing some spawn of a professor's artist tell me shit she thinks I already know about my flyers that she misinterpreted. Well, then there's got to be some hope for the rest of us, right? Oh, fuck yeah. <laughs> yeah, and, 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 you know, I think this kind of will tie into my sort of uh, closing thoughts, unless you had anything else. No, I, I just, um, uh, uh, just, 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 I, 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 the floor is yours. 
All right. Well, yeah. And so I guess my closing thoughts kind of on what we're talking about is, um, especially in the last year, the real life impact of being a based racist, misogynistic, homophobic, transphobic, um, uh, colorist, ableist, ageist, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera, um, right winger is starting to show in the real world in that, you know, people are starting to like under, I know this having started at my new job, I found five or six people already at my new job that kind of I've, I've been able to give dog whistles to, you know, you know how, when you're out in the, in, in real life talking to normies and you have to kind of like, you have to code switch and be like semi-normal and you, you throw out the occasional dog whistle here and there to kind of feel about. And if they give you the secret handshake, you get to start, you get, you get a bit more edgy until eventually you're like, Hey, uh, do you, do you also watch uh, academic agent or Hey, do you also uh, read the Substack of Thomas seven, seven, seven today, you know, you know, fucking today at work today at work, I asked a coworker, um, you know, because I had gotten to that point with, you know, appropriate secret handshakes. I asked a coworker if he had ever heard of Thomas 777, my mentor, and he said, I've heard the name. And then I said, have you ever heard of the Solo Forum? And he immediately knew who I was talking about. This motherfucker was on the Solo Forum back when it was like a, uh, you know, when it was a thing. So, so like, and this is all coming to the fore. Like, I don't think it's a coincidence. You're like, oh, well, you just met the one guy. No, no, this is everywhere. This is everywhere. Everyone I've been talking to has been pushed in a direction, right? And it's starting to come to the fore. And I've been talking about this a lot on Peter on Pete Quinones' show, um, how the zeitgeist is shifting. And like we are, because we're what people like, we are organic, we are authentic, and we are expressing ourselves in the real world more and more and more. We are what's cool and we are the future and we are the next zeitgeist. Right, we are the next age, the next epic, whatever that ends up being. It will have found its origin and its shape in these weirdo online discussions and podcasts and other such things we're doing. Right, and that's that's what I have to say. And I think that zine culture, that um, uh, that street art, that everything like that. You know, ev- you know, people always say. Uh, it's always a question as to who gets to the future first. Some people say the artists get to the future first, uh, but I think the consensus is that the poets get to the future first, and then the artists are close behind, and then the longer form fiction writers, and then you know all of that. Right? That's I think how it goes. Is that um uh, the artists, the those who create visual colors of you know visual pictures, yeah. um, they have their receptors tuned to the sort of a. Uh, platonic world of forms and they get the sort of the the transmissions for what the next stage is supposed to be and they start transmitting them into meat space uh long long you know 20 30 years before the actual shift is meant to happen oh and that's yeah constantly happening I, and i think and i think you know just just one last note and mm-hmm. and, and we could roll credits um I, I think a big difference between progressive or left-wing elements and mind you like I, I I mean, I, I've never said anything explicitly political other than from the perspective of like immigrant dirt trash from New York City that like gets belittled by by blue hair problematic women who throw around the word Latinx. I think a gigantic <laughs> difference is that, you know, like the side I find myself in, they're having fun, which like I, I don't like I don't know if you've ever been to like you know, uh, uh, like I remember like when Occupy Wall Street happened, like I got kicked out of a meeting because and I quote, you make too many jokes and you eat meat. 
uh, because they, they were like, that's not a very feminist revolutionary thing of you to say. And I'm like, so you're going to kick out that chick because she's conventionally attractive and she's wearing makeup and that makes you feel threatened because like you're gross and dudes have to give up chorizo to fucking bang you and your hairy ass armpits. I'm afraid you have to leave. Like, okay. I'll I'll go take my culture jamming with me then. And, <laughs> and you know what? Like I I don't think like like I like I don't think that the like first of all, I don't know anyone who's doing what I'm doing. Like realistically speaking. Like I and and I'm not trying to sell you some story where like if I could do it, anyone can do it because like fucking clearly not some of your worst critics, I bet you, are the anyone can do that. And that's my favorite criticism because that's the criticism of shitty people who squandered their talent and they snobbishly use it to tear other people down. No, that's that. And, you know, that actually, you know, Yaki in my favorite chapter from Imperium has a uh, has a specific line. And this chapter is the uh, the articulation of a culture. Um and he has this line in this chapter that um, uh, every time a uh, noble soul seeks to do a great work, simultaneously a uh, terrible soul gets a feeling of uncontrollable envy and uh, and wrath and uh, uh, and resentment and this <laughs> desire to tear that yes. work down. Yes, and, because you know, the devil cannot create. He can only create. He he can only put semacrolas into the world. He could only infiltrate and subvert, but he cannot create. I will tell you that AI has made some pretty cool looking stuff though. Oh yeah. I'm not hating. I'm no stranger to Dolly. <laughs> I'd be lying. But yeah. And you know, and this is, this is what my, um, uh, my whole big trip across the United States was sort of meant to be. It was, you know, it was something, even if it was just me going around fucking staying with friends and just talking and getting drinks with them and all that, it was meant to be like, hey, we're going out in the real world, talking to these people, doing these things, acting like friends should be acting, you know, being hospitable, being uh, good guests, being good conversationalists, talking about plans, all of that stuff, right? That's what we're doing. Like, you know, obviously, you know, going around and staying with friends isn't, you know, creating the fucking national socialist party but um uh but it is something and doing anything something anything in the real world uh is better than just sitting and like th theorizing this perfect like plan of action because you know this this is a, this is a problem a lot of right-wingers get into and i don't mean to, to to preach too much to you or the listeners but no but this is, this is something this is something right-wingers get into is they 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 get into this is something talked about at the event by uh by yiz she actually used these exact words that's why i like yiz so much who i actually visited over the course of my trip mm. and she said that all of these these uh these intellectuals get into these like fart sniffing circle jerks of um uh, how this particular thinker ideology whatever uh, is going to um, uh, going to be the solution or is going to you need to perfectly lay this plan and you need or or it's like or or this is another thing that fucking pisses me off the fallacy of heightened perceptions in which they're like oh well there's actually nothing that we can do because global homo has already made a plan for this 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 and that and it doesn't matter what you do what you push what you say in real life because they're always going to be able to counter it or they're they're working at such a higher level than you, and there's nothing you can do. Some some other shit like that, right? Um, we're all a part of their game. Um, no, fuck that. That's that's stupid. Like they're good, <laughs> but they're not that good. And 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 this is the thing. It's like, you know, von Moltke and 
yeah, von Moltke uh, says uh, no plan survives contact with the enemy, right? Well, no plan of action in the real world still exists what the, the second you start doing something in the real world. But you, you, anything that you do in the real world, no matter how good or poorly planned, so long as it's well executed, it it works. It's something that people listen to. It's something that um uh, that people will go with. And honestly, realizing potential, potential can be infinite, but potential is a currency. And the more potential that you have, the more of it you have to spend in order to realize that potential. And you will only ever realize a fraction of the potential that you had because ah, that's that's yeah. something that it's it's like it's like time, it's like money. You know, you have to spend it to make it right and every time you make a decision you know you have infinite choices almost at the start of your life um and every time you make a choice you kill another version of yourself to the point where you only really you know and you only really have to to quote a walker percy book walker percy says in the last gentleman lucky is the man who realizes he only has to really do two or three things and you know what that's that's what that's what going out and doing stuff in the real world is for you. It's making ma it's making zines, it's putting up flyers and it's, you know, making posts on Twitter and, you know, coming into people's live streams. To be honest, that's made you more valuable than tons of people in this community. For me, it's going on trips, it's organizing people, it's, it's, you know, making podcasts, writing articles and trying to, trying to be a face that people know in the real world. Although I've never shown my face on meat space. Um, and, um, but, but, but no, or that, on a, on, on web space rather, my bad. But, but, uh, that, but that's because like you've, but what I, what I'd mentioned earlier about like cross promotion and the sharing of resources, like, I think that like in a digital sort of way, it's like word of mouth. Like you, like you found out about me through the Prudentialist. All right. Yeah. Now, um, that's a two way street because anyone who's hip to what I do, like, if, first of all, if they don't know a thing about politics or geopolitics or have never heard cultural commentary, you know, outside of mainstream media, like the Prudentialist is a tough act to follow. So, like, you know, people who might even have like I've you know what? I've had people reach out to me and be like, oh, like, I usually don't care about podcasts, but like because you were on so and so's thing, I checked it out, you know, mm -hmm. or or it's again, it's a two way street. Like, I don't know. Like, I don't know a thing about zines. I didn't know, you know, people were putting up flyers instead of doing graffiti. I found out about because, you know, you were on Break the Rules or you were on The Beautiful Toilet or you were, or and hell, it could be like, oh, um, uh, Giant Geo retweeted you and that's how I found you. And that's why I, I subscribe to your zine. It's all like, and again, like, I, I, I think without having like you shouldn't go into this with an expectation of like I'm going to build a media empire just <laughs> like Barstool Sports. <laughs> no, I realistically, dude, I work an office job from home. I want to get to a point where I could make shirts and do this full time. And I've even reconciled that like I'll take a pay cut if I could make shirts 10 hours a day and only stop to if I. To, to go to the post office and eat lunch, I, I will be the happiest person I know. But, you know, I, I, it, it, I don't have the expectation 
of being this grand all encompassing thing. Like in a weird sort of way, I've kind of got like, you know how China is aiming to be like number one in the world by 2049 for their 100th year anniversary. That, that's all like, you know, I don't want to like steal your point, but that's all just PR and propaganda. Oh, yeah, they yeah. Even, I mean, they don't even believe it. They, they they just have to distract us while they send us more fentanyl and carcinogenic dildos and microwaves that break after six months. I know it's a lot of it's smoke and mirrors. Um, also, they need people to look at something else while they strip mine Africa uh, for all of its precious natural resources. They're not even doing that competently. <laughs> I know. I I listen. I think <laughs> I think China has regressed into uh, a tin pot dictatorship, fourth rate surveillance state because they have been bracing for economic collapse. After, because the people up on the top have I, known they squandered resources for decades. Man, man I'd, I'd be surprised if they weren't another warlord state in the next 30 years. Um, but anyway, uh, we, we've, we've had, um, uh, we've had a 25 minute, uh, closing comment section. Oh, <laughs> shit. All right. All right. Well, you gotta, I'll tell you what, one last chance to shill all your stuff. I know you've done it multiple times, but just, just do it again. Just oh, so all the, right. the well, goldfish uh, memory listeners can hear uh, it. So, so l ladies and jerks, you could find me on Twitter at 718 TV. You could find me on YouTube at 718 TV. If you're hip to the, the, the image based hashtag time sync known as Instagram, you could find me at stained underscore Haynes and to get a look at the end result of zines t-shirts and all these other things you could find me at queenstrash.com uh, I'd like to extend my thanks and gratitude uh, to this gentleman who has had me on this program and I hope you have as much fun listening to this as I did recording with him in the air Outstanding. Well, thank you very much for coming, Stan Haynes. You're welcome back at any time, anytime you'd like to discuss anything else. And uh, for my listeners, may you find foreign shores less appealing than your own. Let me yeah. rock. Let me catch. You ready? Let me, let me bone. Solomon Van Yo. Yo, what's up, back. son? What's up, kid? What's going on, kid? Yo, man, I'm just doing my thing, man. The New York Times side Staying alive was no job At second hands Moms bounced on old man So then we moved to Shallon Land A young dude You're rocking the gold tooth Low goose Only way I begin to G York Was drug loot And let's start it like this son Rolling with this one And that one Pulling out gats for fun But it was just a dream For the team Who was a fiend Started smoking moves at 16 And running up in gates And doing hits by high stakes Making my way on fire no question, I was speed for cracks and weed. The combination made my eyes bleed. No question, I would flow off and try to get the dough off. Sticking up white boys on ballboards. My life got no better. Same damn low sweater. Times is rough and tough like leather. Figured out I went the wrong route. So I got with a sick ass click and went all out. Catching keys from cross seas. Rolling in MPVs every week. We made 40 G's. Yo, nigga, respect my. Dollar bill, yo. It's been 22 long hard years, I'm still.
age of 15, a young buck selling drugs and such. Who never had much, trying to get a clutch of what I could not. Court play me short, now I face incarceration, pacing, throwing up states, my destination. Handcuffed in back of a bus, 40 of us. Life as a shorty shouldn't be so rough. But as the world turned, I learned life was hell. Living in the world no different from a cell. Every day I skate from takes, giving chase, selling bass, smoking bones in the staircase. Though I don't know why I chose to smoke cess. I guess that's the time when I'm not depressed. But I'm still depressed, and I ask, what's it worth? To give up, so I seek the old earth who explain working hard may help you maintain to learn to overcome the heartaches and pain. You got stick up kids, corrupt cops, and crack rocks and spray shots all in a block that stays hot. Leave it up to me while I be living proof to kick the truth to the young black youth. But shorties running wild, smoking cess, drinking beer, and ain't trying to hear what I'm kicking in his ear. Neglected for now, but yo, it got to be accepted that what the life is hectic. Dollar bill.